Voice of San Diego podcasts are sponsored by the Bob Nelson Charitable Fund, honoring the San Diego Harbor Police Foundation. The Happy Half Hour is a fun food and drink podcast brought to you by the editors of San Diego Magazine and food critic Troy Johnson. Learn about San Diego's food scene with news about restaurant openings and closings and discussions about what's happening in the culinary world. Get to know a local chef, restaurateur, or farmer each week and find your perfect affordable date night with the regular segment, Two People, 50 Bucks. Subscribe to Happy Half Hour wherever you listen to podcasts or visit sdmag.com slash happy. One time I came back from vacation. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. And I was like, hey, Andy, I got to ask you something. What's this Brexit thing that everyone's talking about? Like, what does that word mean? I don't get it. Why is everyone talking about a word called Brexit? It was on the day of the election. <laughs> <laughs> never heard it just ever like sorry we've got inclusionary housing (laughs) shit to focus on here Thanks for joining us on the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Coco. My name is Scott Lewis, CEO, Editor-in-Chief at Voice of San Diego. I'm joined as always by our Assistant Editor Andrew Keats. What's up buddy? And managing editor Sarah Libby. Hello. Hello. So coming up on the show this week, housing, housing, housing. We are going to get deep into land use and housing. Mayor Kevin Faulkner has gone right into the taboo of local land use, height limits. We'll explain what he's proposing and what he is not proposing. San Diego City Council has passed an affordable housing mandate. It happened after a lot of back and forth and what looks like a compromise The people proposing a new tax for affordable housing say lots of voters support their effort, but do they really? And MTS, the Metropolitan Transit Association System of Associating Systems, has a big decision ahead next week. But first, a spokesperson for the spokespeople, Georgette Gomez, just re-elected council president for the city of San Diego. And her first move as a sort of governance move was to hire... Former City Beat editor Dave Rowland as the first City Council Communications Director. Now, everybody loves Dave Rowland. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I, all sides seem like he's their fan of Dave Rowland. Mm-hmm. But if you're keeping track, let's, let's try to arrange all this in our mind. The mayor has, what, five spokespeople? Four or five, if you count? A couple? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the city staff has its own communications department led by a communications director it's an entire floor of city hall that's how many people are in that part of it there's a little directory of all these different people you got there's somebody you can call to figure out who you should call on that floor because all major departments have their own spokespeople right so the police have their own fire public utilities these they're all they all got somebody Mm -hmm. the city attorney Got a bunch. Got its own spokespeople. And each city council member has at least one of their own. Yeah. And one of those city council members is a council president. Who has one of her own. One of her own. Or his own in the situation that it's that. All right. And so now the city council as a whole 
has a spokesman. Which is interesting among these various things we've laid out because the city council doesn't always agree on everything. Yeah. That, that, it's, it's, yes. It remains a rather diverse body, even when it's you know dominated by Democrats, as we've seen literally recently, even they don't agree on some rather high-profile legislative goals. And even when they do agree, it is often after a process of sausage-making taking place on the, the, the dais. Yeah. Right? So you have a proposal that's going to the city council as a body, and they have to hash out amendments and alternative ways of doing that thing that balance their competing priorities right. before they determine what they would support. That's the case even when they vote unanimously on something. Right, right. And so then, you know, when we when you look at the press release that came out, Georgia Gomez says she wanted to highlight the accomplishments of the city council. And, you know, I was curious, like, again, there's some dissenting views from time to time. Would this communications director be speaking for them? I spoke with Chris Kate, a councilman. He said he looks forward and his tongue was in his cheek saying he looks forward to this person trumpeting their Republican ideas and, and vision for the city. So I don't know what's going on here. As a fellow professional communicator. Yeah can tell you that one thing that helps make things clearer, more streamlined, is adding more people <laughs> and another layer of bureaucracy. Yeah. It so. never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, it seems like a really hard job. Yeah. Seems like a sure. very hard job to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess unless unless they've defined it that he's really just another spokesperson for the council president, but with like a different portfolio of responsibilities to speak more, like not to speak about District 9 issues or specific Georgette issues, but like... Except the what if, Yeah, like I can't imagine a scenario where this is the case, but it's possible. Like what if she or whoever's in that role is in the minority of a decision made by the council? Yeah, does, no, there's going to be some awkward moment. I think, I think speaking to Andy's point, like there will be some awkward decisions about what he's actually going to say, which means I bet he just doesn't say anything at those points, which was why brings up have why have that bad. person. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we wish uh, Dave Roland well. I mean, I think the only person left is to get a spokesperson for all the spokespeople, even though there's one already for the, all the others. Yes. <laughs> All right, one of the uh, spokespeople of the mayor, Kevin Faulkner, this week helped him amplify the news that he's got a new proposal. So you might remember at his State of the City speech nearly a year ago, he said this. Height limits outside the coastal zone put a cap on housing. This year, I'll propose the council remove them. You can actually hear the surprise in the crowd's voice there. The surprise that he uh, talked Set. about height limits? Yes. That is like, you know, your first assignment at Voice of San Diego. Or, you really oh. steered me wrong on that one, by the way, <laughs> boss. Do, the, do a 40-year take on 40 years later, the coastal height limit, and you walked into a 
yeah, garbage still, fire. Yeah, garbage fire would be a word we could use on the radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people hold those things near and dear. Yeah. And if so, he made this speech in January. If you remember a couple months before that at PolitiFest, he was on stage with other mayors from California and we were talking about height limits. And he sort of made the case that he didn't necessarily agree with None. getting rid of them. And Daryl Steinberg was shaking his head vigorously like, you're wrong, bro. You get, height limits have to go. No, no, it's a little different. He said he could fit everything he needed in the height limit that was proposed along, the, along the corridor. And then he said, and then Daryl Steinberg didn't disagree with him. He rolled his eyes yeah. audibly. <laughs> I, could, I could hear his eyeballs rolling in his skull. Uh, so... But he finally did propose something. What? Well, it's not quite as simple as we'll remove height limits. Right. Um, and I guess that's, in fairness, uh, <clears throat> two sentences in a speech is different than how you actually impose policy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to the mayor's office and got a bit of a, a briefing on this. Uh, it went that the proposal went to the um, uh, city council's land use committee. It's, it's basically like a value capture concept, which is a uh, term of art that's popular in urban planning. Basically, if you really upzone a property substantially or if you just increase its development potential, then whoever owns that property just received like windfall profits yeah. by no work of their own. And so the theory goes that if you do something like that, then you should try to scrape back some of those windfall profits for the benefit of the public. And that's, I think, the the, the concept around this plan. Um, some of the details still need to be worked out, but basically they've made it an opt-in program. So it is not just something that everybody definitely gets the benefit of. It's if a developer has a new project and they choose to enter into this and they're within a half a mile of a transit stop, a high-quality high transit stop, and... Their property is already zoned to allow for apartment development. So well, not a single family home zoning. Does not touch single family home zoning. So if, if you, but it, you know, you, it, you could be zoned for commercial, but within that zoning, you're allowed to build apartments. Anything that would be allowed to build apartments would be, would qualify for this proposal. And you could opt in. And then if you do it, you get no height limit, um, no density limit, no per unit restriction. So You're, you could have tiny places. You, yeah. So you could build as tall theoretically as you want and as uh, many units theoretically as you want. You do in, in exchange get a like a square footage limit um, basically, which uh, you could – again, you could build as tall or as many units as you want within that square, square uh, footage limitation. Um, and but then you have to agree to build 10% of the units on site for uh, inclusionary zoning for low low income people. Mm -hmm. Reserve those. You can't pay a fee to get out of it. You have to put them on site. And then another 10% you have to put uh, for median income. People up up to about 100 or about 20% above the area median income. So 20% of your units are going to be reserved for low income people or middle income people. And you must build some sort of 
public benefit, like a outdoor park or a public plaza like you see in like Little Italy or some sort of linear uh, pedestrianized walkway. That has to be part of your project as well. There is a fee that you could pay for that one to get out of it, but the mayor's office says they're going to try to set that fee at a level that developers will build the projects. So you get this increased development potential that kind of blows past existing height limits. And in exchange, the public would get these things that they're constantly talking about and asking for low income units, middle income units, and public benefit perks like uh, parks, walkways, plazas. So would this go into effect for existing like zoning things that are going, are, have already gone forward? So for like the, the Marina corridor, would it be in effect? It would. It would be in effect any, anywhere that is within a transit stop. It, this would go on top of whatever other developments are in place, which also means it's a bit of a moving target. So it, it it applies anywhere where you can build apartments, which means if there's a place today where you that is single family zoning and sometime 10 years from now they rezone it to allow for apartments, suddenly that area becomes eligible Got as well. It. Now, this is just a proposal? It's just a pro- proposal. It was just an info item that went to the committee. They'll, they said, you know, they've got some other details to hash out, but it's going, uh, it, the environmental reviews out. So that process is moving and they hope mm-hmm. to adopt it next year. And it excludes the coastal zone still. It excludes, well, the coastal zone, you could be part of this program, but you couldn't blow past the 30 foot height limit because that was enacted by voter initiative, therefore can only be removed by voter initiative. I mean, you made the point that, you know, there's a difference between two lines in a speech and actual policymaking, which, sure. Um, But even given that, this isn't the most ambitious proposal it possibly could have been for somebody who said they were going to get rid of height limits, right? No. I mean, like, as we, you know, the the reason this thing, this, comment drew so much attention when he made it is because it's potentially quite controversial, potentially quite right. ambitious. Um, and, the, and you know, you could hear it in that crowd's voice. There's like a hesitated, you can imagine them looking at each other like, did he just say that? Right. We're supposed uh, to clap for everything, but I don't know about this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whereas this proposal, like when it was, when it was announced, you had Councilwoman Jen Campbell, who represents the Bay Park area that's been so object, so that has had so many objections to changing height limits. And she just said, oh, this seems really great. I'm, you know, I, I need to see more details, but it seems like you've really been very thoughtful. So it, it did not it was not received as a controversial proposal. I should right. say one more thing about some details. Um, they've created like three basic zones for what that square footage limitation would be. Downtown, there would be none. Downtown, so downtown would have no height, density, or square footage restrictions if you opted into this program. You'd mm-hmm. still have to follow the all the requirements, but you you wouldn't have anything like that. In like urban areas, which they define based on how many miles a day people drive, but basically it'll end up being places like Uptown, North Park, City Heights. There would be like a a, a pretty high square footage reduction uh, requirement, and then in the more suburban area, like out in Carmel Valley, Rancho Bernardo, there would be a slightly smaller one. Mm. So there'd be three different types of requirement depending on where you are. Mm. Fascinating. Well, speaking of housing, what some of the housing that might go in there would be affordable units, perhaps. And affordable housing advocates want to raise property taxes to fund the $900 million bond to build homes they wanted on the November ballot. Proponents say 70% of voters support it. But the poll that showed that was just a little jargony when describing 
what the measure would do. It said, <clears throat> quote, Shall the city of San Diego issue $900 million in general obligation bonds with an estimated levy of $0.19 cents per $1,000 of assessed value? That's a good poll, r- robot voice. Right. Now, I think maybe 10 people understand what they're talking about with that. They're the this, this concept of charging per thousand or hundred thousand dollars of assessed value as a property tax increase is something that we've watched for years with the school board school district do that does this but just to be clear what they're talking about there is that uh, 19 cents per thousand dollars assessed value if the assessor values your house at say five hundred thousand dollars we're talking about a 95 dollar 19 cents per thousand 95 dollar increase to your property taxes and so i suspect that had they said it a little more clearly that they were raising property taxes, they might have gotten a different result than whatever people thought the levy on assessed value is. To you, Sarah, am I wrong on that? No. (laughs) There's a more efficient way to say that, which is tax. (laughs) I mean, why did they keep doing this? We watched the school district do this. They they find sometimes they do like $66 per $100,000 or sometimes it's like six. Point six dollars per ten or whatever. It's like, dude, what are you doing? What, or a thousand? I don't know. It's assessed value too. Nobody knows what that means. No. Is that what what Redfin has my home valued at? No, it's it's what the assessor has it at. It's just a. There's very... definitely a clearer way to say this. I think we could, <laughs> we could agree with that, right? Right, right. So this is uh, probably like gonna... if you were like buying like a pack of gum, would you ever say to the clerk like? Excuse me, what is the levy on this? Uh? <laughs> what is the assessed value of this property? Uh, so, so well, keep that in mind as you start to hear more about this issue. It is a property tax. It is not. And does anyone on earth understand what a bond is either? No. Yes. I mean, we do. A few other people do. Something I think about a lot. <laughs> a little hippy. Uh, so, all right, keep that in mind. They want to borrow a lot of money and to pay it back, they want to raise your property taxes. All right. Another one on housing. It's a big week for housing. San Diego city council president, Georgette Gomez made a deal this week with business groups. The deal is about inclusionary housing, which is Gomez's top priority. The city's, uh, she basically said, uh, if you business groups want to build homes, you better build 10% of them. Uh, reserved for people who make 60% or less of an area's median income. If you don't do that, you have to pay a fee that she wanted to increase that fee significantly. What was it at, Andy? It was at $12. Per square foot of construction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to get it up to, and now it's going to get up to 25. Uh, But it'll go up more slowly than she had hoped, which is basically the heart of the compromise, right? Seems like it, I don't, which like that wasn't really even part of the discussion. Well, they increased the 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 medium income median income range mm-hmm. that they could mm-hmm. sell some mm-hmm. of these homes to, so make them more attractive to people of higher income. But uh, anyway, it's her top priority. It looks like it's going through. People um, have snapped at us for for referring to these the the differences in these positions as like marginal. Yeah, like no, like. One of these millions of dollars is millions of dollars could make or break one project or another. But within the terms of this policy, these are very much marginal differences from one to another. 
Right, right. Yeah, so have you seen that meme that's like Instagram versus real life? Where it's like, you know, obviously one is a photo of something with like beautiful lighting and good angles and yeah. and then the next is like much messier and grosser. Yeah. 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 I feel like both the Faulkner height limit proposal and the inclusionary housing thing, like they started out, like you asked people right after the 2018 election, like what's your big priority? And they're like, we are gonna change this inclusionary housing thing. And Faulkner's getting national write-ups about what a Yimby he is. And then we see both of these proposals this week, like in real life. And they're like, it's not quite the same. Yes. They're, <laughs> they're not as ambitious and all encompassing as maybe they were made out to be. Yeah. They're both like Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> but what does that mean? <laughs> I, I know what Rube Goldberg is, but like, like they're just that complex or like, I would think of like not using like removing height limits as like a hammer. Right. That's a it's boom. It's a change. Right. As or like requiring that simple. If you build housing, you must provide ten percent for affordable housing. Period. Well, with that's all- a hammer. But like, if you don't, you can play pay this much money. But that depends over which year, over the next five years. Well, and the AMI is a moving scale and it's an average for all of the units inside. Or like it's a value capture program that you can opt into in these three separate zones. Like, Well, that that, that gets to something. I I'm, like, to... I'm, I'm into those sorts of policy, detailed policy debates. I like I like learning about those things, but they're not exactly as clean as far as messaging goes i would say well and, but doesn't that mean like something maybe broader like are we making it so complex to be involved in building homes that it doesn't actually make it easier to solve this crisis like we look at the three things we just described the affordable housing requirements uh the uh the height limits i mean you got to you got to hire somebody who studies this for their life to get these projects taken care of, right? And is that ever changing? Like, is anything easier because of what's happened with these three proposals? No, no, uh, no, they're not. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's their, but they're housing developers. Like, I, that's what I, they do. Yeah, that's what they do. I mean, they, they'll they'll figure they're, these things out pretty quickly. The, the idea of like a, a modern society where you can just go and build stuff like that's never going to be stop yes. that. Like we. Well, have, I I yeah. I mean, I went to a uh, a, a speaker just a week ago at uh, here at the city of San Diego. Chuck Marone from the Strong Towns podcast. Yeah. Elise Lowe from the city brought him in, and that's kind of his whole thing. Is like stop these convoluted, top-down, complex right. systems that can only be abided by by multinational corporations that have the bureaucratic heft to figure out how to do this and all that stuff. Right. Because what you end up getting out of it all looks the same and you end up having to build in the cost of all the staffing and all that stuff. Right. Whereas the alternative is this bottom up approach that is incremental and iterative. And you've got a bunch of individual homeowners who are constantly, they take their single family home and they add a, a back unit and they add a second floor every time they get a little bit more money and you see this pattern more in the developing world and that was how cities were built for you know centuries previously and they because there's a feedback loop and you see which works and which doesn't work and the things that don't work don't get replicated and so you create better more human scaled cities that way that's what he wants now how do you get to there from the world that cities operate in today 
seems impossible to me. But seems like a like a, a, a absolute lark. I agree, but there's something happening where all these rules are trying to make people happy, like some group of people happy, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't think those people understand anything, even the stuff that's supposed to make them happy. And so we're we're sitting here like height limits and and you know marginal incomes and and median incomes and I know there are specific interest groups that they're trying to please with those specific concessions and 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 requirements but I think that in broader terms they're not they're they're trying to make a group of of larger populace happy that will never comprehend any of this. Well, I don't know how it Unless does. Unless they listen to the Voice of San Diego podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it does for popularity, and maybe Sarah could disagree with me, but I certainly think it makes it damn near impossible to understand the conversation. Right. I also think that there are just, we make concessions for people who are never going to be pleased. Like, if you're Mm -hmm. opposed to height limits, and they wanted a 100-foot height limit, but they knock it down to 60 feet, like, they're not going to be happy with 60 feet. So, what's the point? That's my, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we he, he obviously wanted to make this more palatable to somebody. And I don't think anybody who's against uh, changing height limits is going to be happy with that. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you, you, will, you will find uh, people out there who don't like the idea of like giving things away. They're ha- they're, they right. are content. Value capture point. Value capture point. Or, or, or people who are very interested in the particulars of urban design who say like, right. if we're going to allow for uh, very different looking buildings, we should have some, some say in what they look like to make sure that it doesn't create unlivable environments. And those people aren't necessarily just opposed to increased development. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the metropolitan transit system. They're still pushing for a tax increase. They're calling that a tax, right? Not a levy. And uh, and so we will break down a big decision that they have to make about that. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San, San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast that's recorded in this area of downtown San Diego. If you like the podcast and want to support us, now is the time to do it. You can join Voice of San Diego during our fundraising campaign. Go to vosd.org give. This is the time, guys. If you haven't pushed the buttons, uh, if you haven't done, just you know, looked at the little CVV number on your credit card, just get that in there. We need it. Uh, We need to pay the bills. We need to make sure everybody can thrive and do great stuff in 2020. So please consider that, vosd.org slash give. Um, All right. You'll feel better. If you've been listening to this show for a while and you've just never never got around to it, you've been saying to yourself, like, I'm going to give a little bit of money. This is the time. Do it. You'll feel great. Yeah. Be like weight off your shoulders. Put in the little- uh, Do it for yourself, not for us. Put in the little like acknowledgement- I feel great. Yeah, at, in that little comment, and we'll, we'll all see it, see it we'll and see we'll it. we'll yeah. we'll know we had a connection with you—a little, a connection unlike any other one in San Diego, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, my favorite investigative project for Voice of San Diego was the project on school misconduct because it really allowed me and our reporter to connect 
with the community and talk to people who felt like their voices weren't heard on something so yeah. emotional and personal. My favorite project to work on was a photo essay that I did on a San Ysidro High School student who has to walk six miles every day to get to school. And that's because- uh, My favorite thing to work on was having a part in making the upcoming school's guide. My favorite thing about Voice of San Diego is that we do journalism in a no-holds-bar kind of way. Voice of San Diego needs your support because we are holding powerful people accountable and we can't do it without you. Oh my god! I'm just kidding. So good. That's funny. You can support Voice of San Diego right now at vosd.org slash give. Okay, this week leaders on the Metropolitan Transit Systems Board of Directors considered two different visions for the tax increase that they want to put on the November 2020 ballot. Now, this is different than the earlier tax increase we talked about for affordable housing. This would be a sales tax increase, right? They haven't changed that. Sales tax. A <clears throat> uh, uh, levy there on There had been discussion retail. early on that like maybe that wasn't the best mechanism, but so far they've moved forward with the idea being sales tax. They got over that. All right. So they are considering two sort of big visions for what the tax would pay for. They didn't make a decision. They just heard about this decision they're going to have to make, right? Yeah. What is the? What are the two options? So basically, they have a lot in common. They share certain things. Both of them incur, include like a new um, trolley line to the airport, for instance. Really? Yes. Both. Like an actual kinda, trolley line. Kind of casual about that. Yes. Both of them have like a- Along a, a, Harbor Drive? Along Harbor Drive, elevated, goes to both terminals, trolley. Ooh. Huh. Both, and, both um, have that. So does that mean the uh, the Grand Central San Diego is 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 RIP RIP? Uh, it does not necessarily mean that. They said today when they discussed it that they could still incorporate Grand Central into this uh, situation if it ever passed, if it ever happened. Um, so no, but um, Can I, it does seem to blunt the sales pitch around Grand Central to some extent. Can we riff on this for a second? I Sorry, riff, my podcast, riff away. right? Riff away, Trey. So, <laughs> so why would you want a, a trolley line along Harbor Drive? They can't even build homes along Harbor Drive. It's the port. Like you can't, like, why would they ever have a trolley well, line? Well, it's like literally just a spur for the airport. Just for the airport. It just turns off of the, the blue line right now, goes up Harbor Drive to the airport. It's, it's, just it's just an airport spur. Would you have to get on a new train though? You'd have to get on a new train. You'd have to transfer to station. Yeah. See, well, you can just do a bus if you want. They got a bus. They got a bus. What is it? The nine thirty two. Nine nine two. Sorry, the airport flyer, if you want to call it. If yeah. You want to use their branding, which has taken off, as you can tell. <laughs> it's really, really captured the minds. Yeah. Uh, all right. So okay, go on. Continue. Thank you for that. Um. So then there's the, the the one big difference, basically. So the other thing that they both include is increases to general service levels from the existing system. So they increase frequencies on local bus routes. They go to 24-hour service on bus routes. Um, and they would also basically add some local bus routes. Um, one of the measures has about half 
of the various envisioned improvements in, along that side of that that type of of thing. Um, the other one has all of them. The one that has only half spends less money on that, on those sorts of making the existing bus networks better and more useful and more robust, because it would include a purple line, the much discussed purple line, which would be a new trolley line from uh, the inland South Bay area up to Kearney Mesa. Isn't uh, it the Otay Mesa crossing or where it would start? Uh I think that would be a later extension. Oh, okay. now it's it's. I mean, it's primarily it's it's it's. They refer to it as the inland South Bay area because they haven't exactly chosen an alignment yet. Okay, and then it and would so potentially... this would be like the the goal. The idea is a trolley line of some kind that would move people from where a lot of people live in inland South Bay to where a lot of people work in Kearney Mesa. Now, have they grappled with the Hassan Akrata critique of this? He was there. And he his... came to MTS today to say, to dispel any idea that they are not working together and to make clear that they are working hand in glove on this measure and that the proposals on the table are fully consistent with his vision. Uh, on... Let me explain what, what he was yeah. talking about. So this Hassan Akrata is executive director of Sandag. And his point was, why would you build a line like this up over the 805? Because nobody lives on a freeway you should have it somewhere where people live and thus you should literally go underground and uh or at least through neighborhoods underground at some points but at least the right of way should travel through neighborhoods where people actually live so has he abandoned that criticism no he's saying that that if we're to take him at his word what he said that is the alignment that mts will eventually pursue does mts get to decide this or does sanday how does that work it sounds to me like what they're saying is that Sandag will ultimately be like that they're partners in this measure so that this will be he referred to it as what he said is this measure is a down payment on his transit vision. OK, so it's paying for some of these big projects. Um, and so Sandag may be it, it may be that MTS gets the money for this project. Sandag uh, ultimately builds the project and then turns it back over to MTS to operate the project. So MTS is, in this case, almost a vehicle for more easily raising taxes because they don't have to ask people in North County or these more conservative areas to support it. I think that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so then there, you know, then there's a bunch of other things. They, they would, um, the, the measure that does not include the purple line would, in, would add 18 new um, rapid lines, these bus rapid yeah. transit lines. They would also kind of improve some of the existing bus rapid transit lines. So, for instance, they one of the images they showed was that they would build like a nice, really uh, landscaped and uh, improved upon version of the Mid-City Rapid that runs on El Colon Boulevard now, which would have its own dedicated right-of-way. That's a pilot program that's been implemented now, but this would be better and more inclusive than that. Um, so there would be a bunch of different things like that. Also included in both projects is a aerial gondola, a skyway. Woo. The gondola is alive. Yeah. From uh, the Midcoast Trolley Station that will be built at Voigt Drive down into the canyon to Sorrento Valley in that job center there. Oh. Where's Voigt Drive? It's in UTC. Oh, okay. So it, on the top of the canyon at UTC area down it's like a two-mile trip. Oh, so if you worked at like Qualcomm, you mm -hmm. could take the 
gondola. You could take the trolley to you could take the trolley to UTC and the gondola down. Or, ah, that sounds nice. It's it's something to to look f- for. <laughs> uh, they 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 studied, but ultimately did not pursue a gondola from one of the mid coast stations uh, um, in like the Bay Park area over to the beach. They were going to call yeah. it like the Bay to Beach gondola. They ultimately decided not to pursue that, but they'll there's some money in the, involved well, for studying some of those things. I think when you talk about city traffic, there is no question that the place that people are most upset about usually within the city of San Diego is that Sereno Valley area. Yes. Like it's just a constant, like Qualcomm, all those places talk about how hard and bad it is. Yeah. It's, it's like an economic development problem. I'd be really interested in like what they would think of that solution. Well, I th- one of the things that they, that they discussed when they were going through it was that it's uh, it, there would still be some first mile, last pro- mile problems once you get down there because the, alignment of all those homes is very like office parks that are yeah. kind of sprawled about. So like, congratulations, you got down to a gondola station at the bottom of that valley, but how do you get to your job at whatever tech? Yeah. Walking you know? there is not, not an option. natural. So they would, <laughs> it's, so you they, would be looked at strangely. Yeah. So they would have to come up with some sort of shuttle trolley system, you know, shuttle system that takes people to all the different actual office locations or scooters. <laughs> I hereby demand a moratorium. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, again, uh, thanks for listening to this show. We appreciate the fans of the pod who are out there, all who listen every week and come to our live shows. Thank you so much. We've got a great schedule coming together for next year. Um, Please help help us make next year strong and great. We're trying to raise $200,000 to make sure that we can do everything that we have planned for next year. It's going to be a huge year politically. There's so many races. Uh, PolitiFest is going to be huge. We've already got a date. Looks like that's going to come together strong. But all of these races we've got to cover as well as possible. We need investigative profiles. We need fact checks. We need explainers of all the different issues. Help us do that. If any of this means something to you, consider contributing at vosd.org slash give. That's vosd.org slash give. Uh, Thank you so much for for doing that. I'm Scott Lewis, the CEO and Editor-in-Chief. Andrew Keats is Assistant Editor at Voice. Sarah Libby is Managing Editor. And this show is produced by Nate John, Megan Wood, and Adriana Heldes. We will talk to you next week.